Uh, we're in John's Gospel, would you believe? Um, I've got as far as chapter 16, and I want to pick up at verse 12. Um, I'm, uh, I'm coming to this message quite encouraged this morning because um, I want to, it's the, these verses concern, and what I want to talk about is the spirit of truth. And um, what's been interesting is that that's, uh, since I started preparing this message, I've been having texts and emails and um, I've uh, spotted things online, you know, on Facebook and Twitter and, and uh, the, the whole thing about truth just keeps coming up. And it's encouraged me really to, to kind of step out a little bit this morning because this whole area of the spirit of truth is something which we miss too easily and actually is vitally important to our lives uh, as Christians. So John chapter 16, verse 12. Jesus, uh, in, a, in an intimate kind of uh, environment, speaking with his disciples. Um, so there's just a small group there and he's kind of sharing his heart with them before he um, heads out to deal with all the horrors of the cross and everything else. And this is what he says to them. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So let's just hit the pause button there. Jesus promises them that he will send the spirit of truth who will lead them into all truth. Uh, and uh, this, as you will see as we go through some of this, is really important stuff for us to get a hold of. The word truth there that, that's used consistently through John's Gospel is the Greek word aletheia, uh, which means truth. It means truly. It's, it kind of defines verity in the sense of a true principle or belief of great importance. Um, but John also has a wider meaning for this word, which you will see consistently in his Gospel, which I hope will come out as we go through this a little bit. Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. What is John talking about? What, what for John is this idea of truth? It's not just the absence of lies. So for us, when we think about truth, what is true, our, our minds just kind of operate in the realm of the logic, uh, of the realm of logic and, and we kind of nail it down to either what you're telling me is true or what you're telling me is a lie. In other words, is it, is it factually correct? Um, are you sharing facts with me or are you doing something to deceive me here? Are you kind of twisting the truth or, or um, you know, manipulating it to suit your own ends? And normally when we think about truth, we think in those terms. Is this person being honest with me? Or are they stringing me a line? And there is, of course, that element in here in terms of the ministry of the Holy Spirit to us, that actually he does come to help us uh, to, to understand what is right and what is wrong. Sometimes, uh, you know, the facts actually present a case to us which is not true, because it all depends on how we read them. You know? It's not what you see sometimes, it's how you see. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, um, 
Jesus is sending the Holy Spirit to guide us into truth, to help us to separate truth from lies. Okay? And he does that in a number of ways. And again, some of that will come out as we push through this passage. One of the ways that he does that is that he actually tells us, he gives us um, words of knowledge. Uh, and uh, you find that, in fact, um, on uh, Thursday when Sue was doing her session on prophecy, one of the, um, section, one of the passages of scripture that I turned to uh, was in Acts, where Ananias and Sapphira come and they lie to the apostles. And the Holy Spirit says to the apostles, they're telling lies. And uh, the net result for both of them is they both drop dead on the spot. Um, I mean, within a couple of hours of each other, it's not in that same moment. But both of them come, they both tell the same lie. And uh, they both wind up dead. Let that be a challenge. <laughs> Let that be a lesson. Let's be people who tell the truth. But it's much more, it's much more uh, than... Uh, just the absence of deceit, the absence of lies. And it's important when we come to these things that we ask the right question. Because the right question is not what is the truth, but who is the truth. Because if we're going to spend our lives just trying to separate out facts and details and trying to decide which, which is true and which isn't, we've got a lot of work to do. Because the world is full of information. The world is full of ideas and philosophies. The world is full of religions. The world is full of questions that, you know, if we're going to start to to pursue that line, we're going to have a lot of difficulty and it's going to take a lot of time to discover uh, the true answers to those questions. But I'm suggesting to you this morning that that's actually the wrong question to be asking. Not what is true, but the right question is, who is the truth? John 1.14, John writes this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is presented right at the beginning of John's Gospel as being full of grace and truth. Again, what... What does that mean? Does that just mean that Jesus didn't tell lies? Of course, uh, well, of course Jesus didn't tell lies. But it must mean more than that. John is not just saying that Jesus comes and he's, he was honest. He's actually saying a whole lot more than that. Um, that in, in, the, in the incarnation of Jesus, sorry there's that big word again. When Jesus comes, <laughs> there is that, uh, that manifestation He is the manifestation of all of the goodness of God. And so to just kind of say, well, he was an honest chap, ignores all of that. Ignores, it ignores that this, that Jesus for us is God made flesh. That God himself comes and lives and moves among us. And uh, that he is full of grace and truth. And truth in this sense, whilst it still means honesty means much more than that. It means reality. That actually Jesus comes and he is reality. And uh, let me try and just kind of put that into a context so that you can deal with it. That actually most of us live in a false reality. We have built the way we think and the way we live and the way we behave around a false reality. Because we haven't understood who the truth is. And we haven't understood the importance of that and the place that he needs to take in our lives. And so we have been deceived by all sorts of things 
and all sorts of people and we live with a false reality. And John right at the outset of his gospel says, here is Jesus, he is the truth. He is the reality. And we have to reshape our thinking and reshape our lives around him because he is the reality. And to do anything else means that we are shaping our lives around something that is not real. That is a deception. That will not help us. Are you with me? He is, Jesus is the foundation of all things. It's not just logical or empirical, but it's experiential. It's not just something we can figure out or something that we observe and make notes on, but actually we have to enter into a full experience of the truth. It's not something we can just figure out on a piece of paper, but if Jesus is the reality, then we have to experience that reality so we can make sense of things. Are you following me? That's why the world can't make sense of Jesus. That's why the world wants to try and write him off as, well, he was a good teacher. Well, he was a nice man. Uh, He went about and he did a few good things. And they don't want to take it any further than that because they can't make sense of it. Because you can't make sense of it unless you have had a personal experience of the reality of who Jesus is. He is the truth. And when you, when you enter into that experience, when you enter, enter into that relationship with him, then you can make sense of all the other stuff. Because he is the truth. Because he is the reality. And you start to see the deceptions for what they are, and you start to understand the truth for what it is. Truth is a person. Jesus himself says, John chapter 14 at verse 6, um, he's responding to Thomas. Thomas is getting a bit confused, which is not unusual for Thomas. And he, he's saying to Jesus, we don't know, you know, Jesus is saying, you know, you need to follow me. And Jesus is saying, uh, Thomas is saying, we don't know where you're going. We're not quite sure what's going on here. And Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He doesn't say, I tell the truth. He says, I am the truth. In other words, there is nothing in him that is uh, deceitful. There is nothing in him that is dishonest. There is nothing in him that is not real, but that he is our reality. He is the truth. And that, that all other truth, all other realities should be measured up alongside who he is. In other words, everything in our life should come under uh, the microscope of faith that aligns everything that we want to think or say or do to Jesus and the truth of who he is. Are you with me? One or two of you are frowning at me. Is, is this too complicated or do I need to make it simpler or are we all there? Okay, I'm getting a lot of nods, so I'm going to assume that we're all there. Jesus didn't say he tells the truth. Of course he did, okay, consistently. He never never entered into any deceptions, never told any lies. Um, So please don't hear me say that. But he doesn't say, I tell the truth. On some occasions he does say that. I'm telling you the truth, get this. And what he's saying there is, this is really important, so get this. But here he says, I am the truth. That he is the embodiment of all of that. And that creates for us a, a, a foundation for our lives. He could have, you know, in answer to that question, 
to Thomas. He could have said all sorts of things. He could have come up with all sorts of answers and solutions and, you know, I'll draw you a map, mate, you'll be all right. But instead, he points to himself. And if we have eyes to see it, the whole of the scriptures point to him. If we have eyes to see it, the whole of creation points to him. Because he is at the centre of everything. Because he is the truth. He is the reality. And he says that he, uh, it, it, it's, he says that he's the only way to the Father. Why is he the only way to the Father? Because he's the only one who has an uncluttered, intimate knowledge of the Father. He's the only one who knows the Father and has a relationship with him that is not in any way tainted or marred by sin. He knows the Father perfectly, as perfectly as the Father knows him, because of who he is. He says he is the truth because he has the perfect power of making life one coherent experience, irrespective of its ups and downs. You can tell that I'm quoting there. I'm quoting from one of my favorite um, research reference books. Um, One of the commentators says this, He is the truth because he has the perfect power of making life one coherent experience, irrespective of its ups and downs. In other words, if you engage with Jesus, the truth, it does not matter what is going on around you. If you have understood the reality of who Jesus is, Jesus, the truth, if you've understood the reality of that, then it does not matter what is going on around you because you are standing on a solid rock. Because you have a firm foundation. Because you cannot be pushed around by anything else. Because you know the truth. Because you know Jesus. Because you're standing on the rock which is Jesus. And you cannot be messed around. That life, if we are doing this right, if we, are, if we are building our relationship with Jesus, if we are understanding who he is, life actually becomes much more simple. It really does. It becomes much more simple and it becomes much more level And that's not to say that we don't face difficulties. That's not to say we don't face trials and tribulations. That's not to say sometimes we're we're not faced with massive questions about life, the universe and everything else. But it says that we actually have a security, we have a stability in our life, we have a, um, a levelness in our life that keeps us on the path that will not knock us off the path because we know the truth, because we know Jesus. And so whatever life throws at us, it might cause us to have a little bit of a wobble now and again. It might cause us to ask questions but nothing can remove us from the path that God sets us on because we know the truth. And in in these verses that we've been reading Jesus says, I am sending you the spirit of truth. Why is he sending you the spirit of truth? Because you need the spirit of truth. Because you need to know Jesus. Because you need to understand who he is. Because you need to understand the truth and have a relationship with him. Because that is what will give you stability in your life. That is what, as this, uh, as this commentator puts it, will make life coherent. Amen. You know, how many people do we talk to, you know, on, on a daily basis, who really don't understand life? Really don't know what's going on. Really can't piece it together. Why does this happen? Why does that happen? What on earth is going on? How am I going to get through this? You know, our our lives are filled with those sorts of things, aren't they? But if we know the truth, 
if we know Jesus, there is a coherence that comes to that, 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 and maybe we still don't make sense of everything. So don't hear me say that, because actually, sometimes we still just need to have faith, don't we? But if we know the truth, we can have faith, because we have confidence in the truth. Are you following me? Yeah. So knowing the truth gives us that stability, gives us, uh, gives a coherence to our lives that otherwise would not be there. And because he is the truth, he's the only means of reaching the Father. He's the only means of getting to Father God. In John 8, uh, I'm sticking to John's Gospel because of the way he uses uh, the, the word truth and what he means by it you know um, it's, it's probably just worth taking a moment to say that when we are studying our Bibles different writers can sometimes mean different things but they're using the same words so for instance you know you can read about fire from heaven sometimes that fire from heaven is the fire of judgment sometimes that fire from heaven is the Holy Spirit Two very different things, okay, but same words. And you have, so you have to understand the context and you know, who the writer is and how they use that language so that you really can figure it out and know exactly what they're talking about. So that's why I'm, I'm restricting this to what John says in his Gospel because he uses the same meaning for the word truth consistently all the way through it. John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, in other words, um, you can't disconnect what you see from what you do. If we are those who claim to have seen Jesus, to see the truth, to have relationship with him, relationship with the truth, we cannot disconnect that from the way we live the way we behave. That actually, if we are those who claim to be those fortunate people, those blessed people who have that relationship with him, then we need to live in light of that relationship, which means, basically, we do the stuff Jesus says. That we engage with the word of God and we live it out in our daily lives. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. And let's just, let me just kind of, uh, let's do the, the, the word change game here, that everywhere you read the word truth, you can actually put Jesus. You know? You will know Jesus, and Jesus will set you free. free because Jesus is the truth. You will know Jesus, and Jesus will set you free. Why do you need setting free? Well, because you are shackled. Because you are chained up. Because you are tied up. Because uh, you have listened. And listen, don't beat yourself up over this because every person I know except Jesus has done this. You have listened to what the world has had to say. And you have allowed it to shape the way you think and the way you behave, the way you perceive things. You are living with a false reality. And Jesus says that if you abide in his word, and if you follow him, if you put your faith in him, when you see him and know him as he is, when you enter into and engage with the reality of Jesus, the truth, he will set you free from all of that. And the level to which, and listen, this is important, the level to which you engage with the truth will directly affect the level to which you find freedom. 
Because what I'm not saying, and don't hear me say this, is that none of us understand anything about Jesus. Please don't hear me say that. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that we all need to get to a better level of understanding and relationship with him where we engage with Jesus, the truth. So that our eyes are fully opened. On Thursday night, okay, it's getting towards time to start and, um, and there weren't many people in. So, I'm doing the pastor thing, right? So, I, I walk across the quad here and, and, I'm, and I'm in the reception area and, and there's, there's lights on at the far end of the reception area but there's no lights on this end. And so, I can, just, I can see kind of dimly there's tables stacked there and bits of wood and stuff and, you know, um, I, I can see all of that. So, I chart a little path through them to get to the window so I can look into the car park and see if there's anybody still to come before we start the meeting, you know, because that's what pastors do. And then I heard the door go. It was, it was Mike coming in. Then I heard the door go, right? And so I spin around, and um, instead of, you see, this is the idiot in me, instead of tracing back the path that I'd gone in on to get to the window, I just spun around, and I saw this gap, and I headed straight into this gap. And what I didn't see, because in the, in the semi-light, on the floor was a pile of carpet tiles, and they're dark blue carpet tiles and in the kind of dim light I just didn't see them so I caught my foot on these carpet tiles what are you laughing at I caught my foot on these carpet carpet and I'm doing a bit of a belly dance to try and you know get, get my balance back you know Mike's like what on earth are you doing you know I'm, I'm falling over that's what I'm doing now I, I had enough visibility, I had enough vision to get to the window but then when I turned to make my escape <laughs> and get back to the meeting I didn't have enough vision even though there was light to get there without falling over do you see what I'm saying? the more light, the more truth the more Jesus the more our eyes are opened the more we see and we won't fall over piles of carpet tiles When Jesus says, I will set you free, what he's saying is this, that in the greatest battlefield in your life, which is your mind, he will let you see things for what they are. He will shine a light in that place, so you can see, and not just see, but understand, because he is the truth. Not just see, but understand the reality of situations, the reality of the things that you're dealing with in life, so that you can make better decisions. And then, of course, it's your choice whether you will make the better decisions. And there's a lot of decisions to be made. I am quite convinced that if I could see Jesus, the truth, in the full reality of who he is, my life would look different. Now, my life looks incredibly different just with the little that I see and I understand. But if I could see more, then my eyes would be opened more. And I'm sure that my life would look different again. And I'm sure that's true for all of us. And Jesus says, that's why I'm sending the Holy Spirit. I am sending to you the Spirit of Truth. What, what will one of his roles be? Because he has many roles. One of his roles will be to introduce you to the truth. 
to introduce you to Jesus and to take you on a journey closer to Jesus, step by step, closer, closer to Jesus. And in each step of that journey, that the spirit of truth would help you to see more truth so that you can be more like Jesus. Because you will understand, because you've received truth, who Jesus is, what he's like, and how we represent him, how we are his representatives on the earth. You know, you came to Jesus, if you've, if you've come to Jesus, and I'm not assuming that everybody has, but if you have come to Jesus and you have put your faith in him and you've started on that journey of life with him, you didn't get there because, and it might be that, you know, another human being shared something with you, shared some scripture with you, shared some experience with you, but you didn't get there because of the work of a human being. You got there because of a work of the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, I, I have talked, I can't count the number of people that I've talked to about the gospel, about Jesus, who don't get it, who really just don't get it. They can't see it. And then there are people that you have a conversation with, and they get it. And you don't need to say too much at all. They just, they get it. They're there. They want to know Jesus. They want to enter into that relationship with him. They're ready. Why is that? It's because the spirit of truth has been working in their lives, revealing truth to them, and bringing them to that place where they're ready, where they see enough truth to say, I'm ready to get into this and put both feet in this camp. It's what the Holy Spirit does. It's, it's one of the reasons that Jesus sent him. To bring us freedom. To open our eyes so we can see the truth, so we can know the truth, so we can make better decisions, and so we can find a real, a genuine freedom. You know, there are a number of things. that come to my mind when we talk about being set free. Um, I, as a teenager, I looked for freedom in all sorts of places. I, um, I had a little bit of a, a, a gift uh, in the sporting arena when it came to cycling and stuff. And I used to plow my life into that because I thought, you know, if I become a world-class cyclist, then uh, people will love me and I'll have lots of money and I'll be free. And realised that I had become a captive to a push bike. That I had been chained, you know, that my freedom had actually been robbed from me by a flaming bike. <laughs> it, it did not work and it was never going to work. I thought I would find some freedom. I thought I would find some life. And I didn't find it. So then I turned to the wonderful world of music. Um, when I started work, I spent my first week's salary on a guitar. And, um, you know, my sister had got a guitar. I thought if she can play it, I can play it. I can do it, you know. So I was quite confident I could make that work. Um, I bought a guitar. I learned to play. I did a few folksy club things, I joined a heavy metal band, um, I, you know, both ends of the spectrum I've done the lot, the only thing I haven't done is reggae, I, I quite fancy a go at that actually, but I thought, I thought it would set me free, I thought I would find freedom, 
I thought that if I pursued a career in music, that people would like me. And, you know, I would have no trouble finding friends, particularly female friends. I thought that I would become wealthy because people would pay to come and see me perform and buy my records or whatever. And I thought I, I, that I would be free. That I would have no cares in the world, that I would be happy. And it didn't work out. I became a slave to three foot of plywood and six strips of metal. I became a slave to it. Because, actually, that what, that's what life does. Whatever it is, you know, and it will be different things for all of us, that we have given our lives to, that hasn't taken us to Jesus, will enslave us. Some of us are enslaved to our mortgage. Now, don't hear me say a mortgage is a bad thing. We have a mortgage. There's nothing wrong with having a mortgage. But I know people who can't afford to do anything else in life at all because of the amount they're paying on their mortgage because they must have that house with four bedrooms even though there's, even there's, only, there's only the two of them. You know? And, you know, slaves to the finance company because even though they only drive three miles to work and back, they've got to have a Bentley sitting in the drive. People become slaves to all sorts of different things. People become slaves to relationships. You know, I was so, again, I was so desperate as a teenager for a relationship where I just felt that somebody loved me, that I would have done anything to have earned that love and that acceptance. And I was a slave to the relationship because um, if I embarked on a relationship with anybody, I would do anything they told me to do just because I needed that relationship. I was enslaved by it. You can be enslaved by all sorts of things. All sorts of things. You can be taken captive. And the reality is, whilst some of those things are good and helpful in your life, the only thing you really need in your life is the truth. The only thing you really need in your life is Jesus. And you know what Jesus says? If you look to the kingdom of God first, in other words, if your following of Jesus takes the top priority in your life, he says, you know everything else? You'll get that as well. It gets added. That if you put Jesus at the center and keep him there, that if you live to that reality, to that truth, everything else will start to fall into place. And again, to the extent to which we uh, pursue that relationship with him, to the extent to which we see him, that will be the extent to which uh, the rest of our lives will get into order, will get into shape. Here's the other thing I discovered. The getting to know Jesus... That getting to know the reality, the truth, as the Holy Spirit has helped me and given me eyes to see, has helped me to understand something which is vitally, crucially important to every one of us. And that is the power of forgiveness. Jesus thought it was so important that he sticks it right in the middle of the prayer that he tells us we should all be praying. When the disciples said to Jesus, how should we pray? Teach us to pray. He gave them a format. I don't think Jesus intended that we just kind of repeated the words. What he did was he gave them a format. He gave them a series of things that are important for us to be praying about. And he says in there that this is what we should pray. Forgive us for our sins 
as we forgive those who sin against us. And if we want to know the true freedom that comes from knowing Jesus, we've got to understand the power of forgiveness. Because one of the things that will hold a lot of us captive is a lack of either giving forgiveness or receiving forgiveness. And actually, you need both. Jesus says that we should pray that our sins are forgiven. In other words, we receive forgiveness. And he says, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. In other words, we extend forgiveness. That we live in a place, and, and you know, here is the importance of this. There are two things. One is it that it sets you free, and the second is that it helps you to see Jesus better, because there's no clouds in the way. And if you want to cloud your vision of Jesus, just start holding on to some resentment. Just start holding on to some forgiveness, because that will cloud your vision in an instant. One person, uh, I read, a person clearly much smarter than me said this. He said, holding resentment is like putting poison in somebody's tea and then drinking it yourself. Because the only person it really damages is you. And Jesus sends the spirit of truth to help us to understand truth, to help us to know truth, and to see that actually... There is power in forgiveness. And if you want to live in freedom, you've got to both receive and extend forgiveness. And you might say to me, well, Pastor Dave, you don't know what they've done. I don't care what they've done. Jesus says, forgive them. And it might be hard, and I I don't want to in any way make this a light and a flippant thing. It might be hard, but actually, until you forgive, you are captive. You are a captive. You are held captive by your own resentment, by your own lack of forgiveness. And one of the things that the spirit of truth wants to do for us is bring us to a place of freedom where we are not holding unforgiveness against anybody and where we can receive into our own lives a, 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 you know, a proper flow of forgiveness that sets us free. And you need both. Jesus says that we should ask for our sins to be forgiven as we forgive those who sin against us. He doesn't make it an option you can have one or the other. The two are linked. They are inseparable in that sense. That actually we need to do both. I want to tell you, there are some people who have done some pretty rotten things to me in my life. None of you here this morning, of course, you're all perfectly wonderful and lovely people who have done nothing but bless me in all the days that I've known you. But there are people who have done some pretty horrible things to me in my life. And it would be very easy, very easy, to hold on to resentment. And it would be very easy in my mind to justify all of that because of the rotten things that they did and the way they behaved and the fact that actually I really don't deserve that. But I know that if I choose to hold on to resentment, I am in trouble. It will cloud my vision. I will not be able to see Jesus. I will not be able to see the truth. I will be taken captive by the lack of forgiveness. And the spirit of truth comes to put his finger on our lives and say, look, you've got to let this go. You've got to forgive. You've got to release. And then you've also got to receive 
forgiveness. How many of us, goodness me, how many of us spend our lives walking around living in guilt? Because of something we said, or something we did, or even something that we thought, we've allowed it to take us captive. We've allowed it to manipulate our lives. We've allowed it to make us dull in our faith, in our vision of Jesus. We've allowed it to knock us for six. We did something, you know, goodness me, again, I'm thinking of a couple of people, and I won't mention names or situations because you might know them, but people who have held on to things for 20 odd years because they did something that they thought was unforgivable and have lived with it for 20 years. Pardon me, but isn't that what the cross is about? Isn't the cross about forgiveness of sins? Isn't the death of Jesus, isn't the blood of Jesus about cleansing us from all unrighteousness? Isn't it about setting us free from all of that? Now, a lot of people have this thing about you have to forgive yourself. I'm not sure whether that works or not. I really don't have a particularly strong view on that. Sometimes it sounds to me like a bit of, you know, mumbo-jumbo, Christian mumbo-jumbo. Sometimes it, it makes more sense to me. But actually, whether you're into this forgiving yourself thing or not, the reality is that the cross paid the price for your sin. Yes. Amen. That you are, whether you believe it or not, you are forgiven. Yes. For everything that you did, past, present and future, is all covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen. And the healthiest and happiest people I know are the people who have really understood that. Because they don't live under the weight of any mistakes that they've made in the past or anything they even did on purpose in the past where they've really bogged up and done something they really shouldn't have done. They live completely free of that. And actually the plan of Jesus is that all of us live completely free of that. Whatever it is that sits in your mind even now, that thing that you did or those things that you did or that way that you treated somebody or those things that you said or that thought that you had It's all paid for by the blood of Jesus. And this morning, the Spirit of Truth wants to reveal that to you. That the blood of Jesus has set you free. You do not need to live with that anymore. Jesus looks at you. The Father looks at you. And He sees sinlessness. He sees righteousness. Now that's not to say that you don't sin anymore or that in terms of the the way you live your life you're completely righteous. It's not saying that at all. What it is saying is this, that God sees you that way because in the spiritual realm that is the reality. That is the truth. Because Jesus made it so. Because whatever you did, it was paid for at Calvary 2,000 years ago when the Son of the Living God was nailed to a tree. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from all of that rubbish. And if you would know the truth, Jesus says, you will know the truth. You will know it if you allow the spirit of truth to introduce you to truth. But you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, okay, if you understand this, if you take on board what the Bible has to tell you about Jesus and his sacrificial death and his atoning blood... Atoning is just a long word for, for saying make things right. That his blood made things right for us. If you will take that on board and understand that, it will change your life. If you will allow the spirit of truth to work that into you, you will be set free. 
I'd kind of like a little bit more excitement about that. Does this mean that most of us have not really understood that yet? Or we're just a little bit quiet about celebrating the fact that Jesus has set us free? Some of us clearly need some revelation this morning that actually we no longer need to live in the woes of the past, in the mistakes of the past, in the stupidity of the past, even when we knew what we were doing, knew we shouldn't be doing it, and we made a complete mess of things. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from all of that. You have been set free by the blood of Jesus. You don't have to live with that anymore. And if you are living with it, you're sinning again. Because you should listen to what Jesus tells you because it's the truth and you should live in the light of it. Are we getting this? Jesus said, I will send you the spirit of truth and he will lead you into all truth. He says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Set us free to see him better, to hear him better, to follow him better. To serve him better. And back to those words we started with. But when the helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. I still have many things to say to you, Jesus said, but you cannot bear them now. Just, I'm finishing. But just pick up there that there is a sense of journey. Jesus doesn't land everything on his disciples all in one go and says, you've got to receive all of this now and deal with all of this now, right now, in this moment, because I'm going. What he says is, you weren't ready for this yet. You can't bear this right now. But the spirit of truth is coming and he will take you on the journey to where you can bear all of this. He will take you to a place where you can receive these things. And you can respond to these things. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, Jesus says. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The spirit of truth is sent to us to reveal the truth, to reveal Jesus to us, to reveal just how spectacular and incredible the work that Jesus has done is, to help us to take that truth on board and let it touch our lives and change us, to give us a bigger vision of Jesus. Why? Well, so that we can love him more, so that we can serve him better, so that we can be free the truth Jesus will set you free and he sends the spirit to guide us to that place where we can understand and live in the fullness of that so who'd like some more Holy Spirit (laughs) come on let's stand I'm tempted to want to sing something, Russ. No, I don't want to sing. I want Russ to. (laughs) No, that would be awful. Something soft and low.
I, I want us just to pray and um, I, I want us to give God the space to come and do what he wants to do. And you know, sometimes it's right, it's appropriate that we call you out if you want to respond and lay our hands on you. The Bible encourages us to do that. But other times it's appropriate just to stand back and let God be God. Just to stand back and let God come and do what he wants to do, how he wants to do it. And this morning, that's, that's what I'd like us to do. I'd like us, as Russ leads us, let's just spend a few moments worshipping. Let me encourage you to step out, maybe, and raise a hand to the Lord. You know, when you raise your hands up, what are you saying to God? You're saying, I surrender. Whatever it is you want, Lord, I surrender. Your way, not mine. And let's just allow God to come and minister to us. If there are things that you need from God today, then just hold them up to Him. Just tell Him what you need. If you need to see more of Jesus, then tell Him, I need to see more of Jesus. If you need more of the truth in your life, just tell Him that's what you need. And in these few moments, let's just allow the Spirit of truth to come and bring Jesus to us.